Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning, witches. It is Thanksgiving. Oh my gosh. It is November 23rd. It is Thursday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Asheville Pagan Supply. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, may your walls know joy. May every room hold laughter and every window open to great possibility by Mary Ann Radmacher. So it is Thanksgiving Day. Are you listening like in the bedroom of your parents' house uh, trying to get a break from the endless discussions that you did not opt into? Or are you spending this holiday eating pumpkin pie from the grocery store watching an awesome movie. Well, I love a holiday. I just do. I really love anything that involves just having a day off and like eating food. So let's dig in. What are we drinking today? We are drinking Dark Society, a hot chocolate blend I created myself. I love hot chocolate and I wanted my own blend, so I made one. And yeah, you can get it from Sip a Spell, 30% off right now, so go check that out. Uh, moving into some headlines, this comes to us from thecollegefix.com. NYU hosts conference on occult humanities and spiritual magic. Pretty cool. New York University platform discussions and trainings in magic and witchcraft at its recent occult humanities conference. The website for the sold-out conference defined universal occult concerns, such as including a belief in some sort of magic, a longing to connect with an immaterial or transpersonal realm, and a striving for inner knowledge, refinement of the self, and transformation of one's consciousness, if not one's physical circumstance, which I agree. That's kind of... Yeah. The College Fix reached out to John Beckman, NYU Senior Vice President, for... Um, comments and they have not received a response but it's very interesting so one presenter talks about how they discussed how she uses light as a medium to activate the sacred and objects and materials commonly perceived as inorganic and associated with industry masculinity and capitalism other conference presenters included the spiritual magic of real dolls, garments as portals, witch houses, the magical homes of the matriarchy. Pretty cool. There's another one, Darkly, uh, Black History in America's Gothic Soul, ooh, which is part memoir, part historical context, and part cultural criticism. It analyzes the way goth embodies race relations in the U.S. in the 21st century. Yeah, that seems like a pretty cool, it's really cool to see like prominent universities really holding space for occult studies. I think that's really fascinating. And I think it really tells us that we aren't so much limiting 
our views of what is worth investigating, what is worth researching, what is worth engaging in. Um, in, in my personal opinion, you know, if if we so openly and proudly study things such as philosophy or theology, why not occultism when it's very much similar? You know, um, I have to think that very often the reason why we don't include occultism in these uh, bigger thought realms, especially in education and higher education and uh, well-respected prominent education is because of the view that it is somehow uh, ridiculous, you know, and instead of viewing it like that, viewing it as a real source of knowledge and information and history, you know. Anyways, I thought that was really neat. So this is something if if like if you're super into that, it could be something uh worth maybe bookmarking so that like next year it could be something to do, something to visit. Looks like this year it took place October, like mid-October. So yeah, it could be worth keeping up an eye on uh to do next year. All right, witches, I am throwing this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Thursday, November 23rd. The waxing gibbous moon continues to put the pedal to the metal in Aries today. Here, the moon trines Mercury and opposes Venus. The trine to Mercury makes us feel especially opinionated in Sagittarius today. However, with Sag's frankness, that might not be the best thing. The opposition to Venus has us disregarding other people in the equation, and we could just say the wrong thing to just the right people. Do a quick estimation before you let the words leave your lips. Make sure that what you're going to say is both helpful and constructive. It's fine to tell the truth, but better if you do so in a way that the other person will be willing to hear you. Your daily moon mantra is, The truth will set you free, but first, it'll make you miserable. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Asheville Pagan Supply is a witch-owned and operated old-age metaphysical pagan supply store located in the Blue Ridge Mountain town of Asheville, North Carolina. Our shop specializes in high-quality products created by local magic practitioners and craftspersons with an emphasis on sourcing products that are botanical, organic, ecologically conscious, and affordably priced. We are extremely proud of our knowledgeable and friendly staff who are always prepared to answer questions and personally assist customers with their purchases. Our belief has always been that our business presence in the community offers a normalcy to pagan practices and in educating the general public we assist in dispelling myths and stereotypes associated with different pagan practices. Open since July of 2014, we focus on our local community and hosting workshops and events. Visiting Asheville? Find us. Just look for the raven with the key. Or shop 24-7 at AshevillePaganSupply.store. That's A-S-H-E-V-I-L-L-E-P-A-G-A-N Supply.store. Blessed be. All right, witches, we are back. So we're actually talking about kind of 
how the culture around Thanksgiving has started. And it's really interesting because it's definitely not like what we were taught. <laughs> and this comes to us from Cincinnati.com. So Thanksgiving is the day we give thanks while stuffing our faces. Through the years, Thanksgiving has become known for spending time with family and friends, maybe watching football or the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and of course, eating good food. So while the holiday's origins may not be accurate from what you read in children's books or high school textbooks, many see the day as an opportunity to enjoy the companies of loved ones. So how did Thanksgiving begin? Yeah, so interesting. So we know that the fourth, thanks, uh, the fourth Thursday every year in November is Thanksgiving, but it actually wasn't a federal holiday until 1863. Thanksgiving was celebrated independently by, like, colonies and states for more than 200 years, but magazine editor and famed author Sarah Hale became known as the mother of Thanksgiving for her campaign to establish it as a national holiday. President Abraham Lincoln answered her call during the Civil War in 1863 and proclaimed a national Thanksgiving would be celebrated on the last Thursday in November. That's really fascinating. I didn't know it was during the Civil War. Honestly, it was probably um, an attempt to kind of bring nationality or like, um, not nationality, sorry, nationalism within uh, the country. Because I can only imagine with like half like the Civil War, which is half the half the country warring the other half. Um, I can only imagine that uh, there was this hope that if we can instill this kind of overall nationalism, it would help relieve tension. That's kind of my thought. Um, so again, eighteen sixty three was when it became a federal holiday, but in nineteen thirty nine, less than a hundred years ago. Department store mogul Fred Lazarius Jr. concerned that the late Thanksgiving that year would mean less shopping days before Christmas persuaded President Franklin D. Roosevelt to move Thanksgiving back a week. For a couple years, the confused nation celebrated the holiday on two different days. Yeah, because like it was different back then. You like you you couldn't like the president couldn't just tweet yo, we moved Thanksgiving. You just had to kind of hope people like read it in the papers and stuff. So uh, like we said, for a couple of years, uh, people just celebrated on two different days. I love that. So eventually they really wanted to end the confusion and Congress passed a joint resolution signed by Roosevelt in 1941 that re-established Thanksgiving to be held on the fourth Thursday of November. They were like, okay, capitalism, you're confusing people, which legit. So now in terms of the whole uh, first Thanksgiving being in 1621 with like the pilgrims and Plymouth, uh, um, this lore just may not be accurate. Most recounts of that is very oftenly overstated. And they're finding less and less evidence that this was anything remarkable. And yeah, so I'm going to say Thanksgiving started when it became a federal holiday because that just is much easier to understand, I think. 
So the national holiday began as a celebration of the harvest and other blessings per the Encyclopedia Britannica, which sounds a lot like Maybon, which falls, I think, like a month early, but like similar time frame. Thanksgiving, however, has since moved away from its Puritan roots and has become a day to symbolize intercultural peace. So how is Thanksgiving celebrated? So I'm going to be honest, one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving is that it really, really kind of is a snapshot of what is important to different regions food-wise. So one of my favorite things is like talking to people around this time of year who weren't raised in like the South, like I was, or like who were raised in New England or like California or... Seattle and then asking them what they eat on Thanksgiving. I think it's so interesting to be like, well, what do you eat on Thanksgiving? Um, Because in my family, we ate collard greens and my grandma would make a giblet gravy, (laughs) which if you don't know what that is, keep it that way. You you, you don't need to know. Um, Of course, turkey, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole um pie cranberry sauce my mom would make um that super like 50s midwest thing that is like fluff i never ate it i think it's green and it had i don't know what it is but i've always known that that was not for me i'm also not a fan of stuffing at all um until a friend from the north made it and i was like oh that's delicious what we're doing i do not like what you guys are doing legit so it's just really fun to hear what everyone eats that's different and it's really enjoyable so i did ask a lot of our listeners kind of how do you incorporate witchy traditions into your thanksgiving celebrations because you know it is like the american version not the american version but the non-mavon version of feasting. I know for me personally, I really love the ritual of a Thanksgiving dinner, prepping, planning, um, putting times on when things go in the oven to make sure other things come out on time. And that is something I really, really enjoy. I like taking three days to make croissants. I have an entire turkey situation. It takes two days. And I just really, really enjoy, again, the ritual of it, the planning, the orchestrating, the um, like there's ways it can go right, there's ways it can go wrong, and then you can really incorporate cooking magic and herbs and foods that are nostalgic to people. And uh, you can do mulled wine where you add spices and oranges and cinnamon and all these wonderful things. Like Thanksgiving really is such a wonderful opportunity to incorporate a lot of folk magic, nostalgic magic, food magic, cooking magic, and it's just such a wonderful opportunity. So this year I'm actually not doing anything. I just need a break. Um, I've, you know, just burnt out. And I think a lot of people are feeling this way. But in the past, I go all out, all out. And it is such a beautiful event. And we have uh, special plates and place settings and uh, people bring all kinds of things. And oh, it's just so special. So uh, listener April, April said, one of the most important pieces of my practice is my daily journaling. I like to include at least three things I'm grateful for. 
However, starting at the beginning of November, I do a gratitude pumpkin instead. Each day, my daughter and I write one thing we are grateful for onto a pumpkin with a Sharpie. And by Thanksgiving, it's full. We use it as our centerpiece for dinner to remind us of our many blessings and abundance. I love that. April, I think it's so easy to forget what we're grateful for. I know I often will forget all the good things that happen to me, and I tend to overinflate bad things that happen. And I'll be like, oh, I've had such a bad year. This happened, this happened, this happened. And then I'm like, oh, wait, this amazing thing happened. And then, oh my gosh, I hit this big milestone. And oh God, I like got that goal I've been working to. For some reason, that stuff is always things that are so easy to forget. But it's like the bad luck and the not great things that really take up residency in our brains. And I absolutely hate that. And so I love that, April, because I, I, I'm sure by the time you get to Thanksgiving, you're reading things you already forgot about. And that's a beautiful reminder. I love that. That's such a great idea. And also a wonderful way to bring children into kind of a gratitude practice as well. Christina says, lots of cooking, witchery, kitchen magic, being mindful of herbs and infusing food with thankful intentions. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I've been um, really trying to nail like a rosemary sourdough. Not doing a great job. Really just dropping the ball on that one. But I've been actually cooking a lot, not for Thanksgiving, but for something else. And yeah, there's just planning food, planning how it needs to be constructed, planning how it needs to be prepped, planning how it goes into the oven or crock pot or instant pot or whatever really scratches a certain itch in my brain. I really, really enjoy it. However, because I'm planning a lot of food for this big event in January, I am so wiped out in terms of Thanksgiving. So next year, I'm going to have to like redecide how I go about that so that like every year I'm not burnt out for Thanksgiving. So I have to figure that out. But yeah, there's uh, cooking magic and cooking witchery. And you can, um, a really fun thing is maybe there's a bunch of kids around for, you know, for some reason. Maybe you have nieces and nephews or your own children. It could be really cute to like set out five bowls. In one bowl, they have oranges. And you say, oranges is for happiness and joy. And then you have another bowl of cinnamon. And you're like, it's for ice and abundance. And then in another one, you have rosemary for love and remembrance and like five bowls of things and tell the kids, okay, this, this one's for this one. This one's for this. This one's for this. And then maybe have like mold cider, like a warm cider in the crock pot and let each child pick which thing they want, whether it be happiness and joy or abundance or love. And they can take a little handful in their little hand and they can pop it into the cider. And like, I think that's a really fun way to incorporate cooking magic and family and also a great way to entertain the kids, which I know sometimes can uh, be a problem during this time of year, keeping them entertained. And there's so many wonderful ways we can incorporate cooking magic into the day. 
And a big part of cooking magic, which I do a whole class on this and one day I'll do a book, but um, one of the big parts of cooking magic that is very often overlooked is family lore. This idea that we have these traditional family dishes and traditional family recipes that get passed down and with every generation, it changes a little bit. You know, maybe great-great-grandmother put celery in the stuffing, but then her daughter hated celery, so she took it out. And then her daughter put rosemary in it because she loves rosemary. And then your mom added um, chestnuts because she read it in a magazine. And it's about this, it's a recipe that took four generations to get to you, you know, and there's magic held there and there's beauty in that. And Thanksgiving is the perfect time or me feasting holiday where food is a big part of that. You know, for some reason, for some people, that's Christmas, you know. Um, these recipes and these foods hold the magic of all the women and all the people and all the cooks in the family and all the um, sons who were really into baking like bread that year, like all the people in your family, it holds a little piece of them. And so when we eat these big meals and um, when we rag on our aunt for not bringing the stuffing that she's brought every year for 20 years, like there's magic there, you know, and it, it inspires an energy and a thought process that cannot be attained any other way. And it's just very beautiful. Anyways, can you tell I'm a kitchen witch? <laughs> I find recipes beautiful. <sighs> All right, witches. I hope you're having a beautiful day. Even if you're celebrating solo or you're celebrating with your family who you may not get along with or you're just honestly just so happy to be around your loved ones or maybe you're just chilling and watching like happiest season on Hulu, um, drinking a bottle of wine and eating half a pie you bought from a grocery store, like rock on. Rock on. What a wonderful, oh, I love it. Anyways, um, we are wrapping up this episode of The Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to Midnight Lighten, Lightning, Midnight, you rule-breaking, glorious mongoose. George Ann Schultz, you graceful, pretty spider queen. And finally, Lisa Lord, I did get your email, uh, you innocent, badass leprechaun. Thank you three so much for being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate you. All right, our card pull today is Courage from the Sacred Symbols Oracle. You are being invited to summon your courage and take the next right action. Drawing this card can be nudging you to let go of any fears you are having and boldly move ahead. This is your moment to seize the day, live your dreams, and step forward with confidence. You can meditate on this symbol and mantra whenever you need a boost of encouragement. All right, witches, that is all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we mentioned today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we'll see you again. Bye. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. 
Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull, can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day.